So we are in a sermon series using popular songs from the past decades to point to scriptural truths. Music, even many times non-Christian music, can point us to God's promises. So today we're going to hop into the 1990s, which was way longer ago than I would like to admit, and learn how I'll Stand By You by the Pretenders can remind us of the kindness and love of God. Beautiful song. Through thick and thin, the singer is going to faithfully stand by the person they love. In dark times, when he makes wrong choices, even when he's broken, the words go, I'll stand by you. And I think the story of this song reminds us of a greater story. The story of how our God lovingly pursued a lost and rebellious people to bring them to his side. So this morning we're going to check out Titus 3, verses 1 to 8. Titus is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to Titus, hence the title. And he had left Titus in charge of leading the church in Crete. And as part of Paul's instructions and wisdom and warning, In chapter 3, he reminds Titus who they were before Christ. The passage says, Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of our God and Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy statement, and concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. So we were all lost causes. Paul's review of who he was and who Titus was and who we are without Jesus is pretty scathing. We weren't living according to the ways verse 1 and 2 were telling us to live, quite the opposite. We were foolish. Without the Lord, we live our lives in foolishness, seeking after the wrong things. We were disobedient, rejecting God's rule over our lives, violating our Creator's ways, commands, and design for humanity. In fact, We're much like a computer that would say to its programmer, no thanks, I don't need you. When in reality, we know that a computer is nothing without its programmer and cannot function properly without him. We were also deceived. Like Adam and Eve, we were deceived by the lure of sin and Satan. Led to believe that what God offers us is not nearly as wonderful as what we want for ourselves apart from him. You know, it's like that amazing gingerbread house in the story of Hansel and Gretel. It promises all-you-can-eat candy, 
I mean, what's not to love? And eating candy makes us feel great. It's not like it feels bad to have candy. And candy in and of itself isn't bad, but what is that house, really? All that delicious candy you're eating from that house is a deception. Y'all get to eat the candy for a while, but then you get to be the one who gets eaten. Similarly, the lure of a life without God is a lie that doesn't deliver. Our disobedience to God doesn't lead us to life like it promises to. Rather, it leads us to death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Then also, it says we were enslaved to various lusts and pleasures. Sin, rather than making us free, enslaves us to it. And sin manifests itself in so many other ways toward our fellow human beings. Spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. For instance, we harbor resentment against people. We stew on what they said to us or what they did to us. And we think about all the things we would say or do to them if there were just no consequences for it. We speak cruel words to and about those with whom we disagree or dislike, demonizing them and dehumanizing them as if they too are not made in God's image and likeness. Now consider how all of this must look to God. I want you to imagine that you just gave a seven-day, all-expense-paid vacation to Disney World to someone. How would you feel if after having given them that marvelous gift, they went on the trip, filmed a video talking about how terrible of a person you are, how they can't stand you, and how someone else gave them this trip? Would you be upset? This is yes, this is no. Okay. (laughs) Yes, because you gave them the gift. They took advantage of the gift, but they left you by the wayside. They hung you out to dry, and they used that gift to hurt you. In a similar way, God has given us the gift of life. He is the one who's given us every truly good thing we have. Yet we continually use our lives in ways that are opposed to his design, his ways, and him. We have offended the high and holy God, and we have harmed those made in his image and likeness. I'd say left to our own devices, we are lost causes. And God would have the right to walk away to condemn every last single human being on earth. But God is in the business of saving lost causes. In Star Wars Return of the Jedi, everyone sees Darth Vader as a lost cause. Sure, he used to be Anakin Skywalker, the good guy. Not anymore. No hope for him. But despite this belief, Luke believes that his father, that murderous terror of the galaxy, 
can be saved. He believes he can still be transformed. And so he risks his life to bring him from the dark side back to the light side. Rather than destroying his father where he stands when he could, he instead offers him kindness, mercy, and love. And I won't spoil how the rest turns out, but it's not that terrible. It's quite good. In a similar but much grander way, God shows his kindness to a wicked humanity, and that kindness changes us. God chooses to be faithful to a faithless people. God, our Savior, showed his love and kindness for humanity. How did he show that love and kindness? Well, he saved us. And it wasn't because we did anything to earn it. Clearly not. This isn't like earning a scholarship by having a really great GPA. This is complete and sheer kindness and grace poured out on an undeserving people. It's like giving a full-ride scholarship to someone with the lowest GPA who didn't even try. It's more like that. He saved us, not because we worked hard to save ourselves, but because he is merciful. And mercy is God choosing not to give us the punishment we deserve, that we have earned, death, judgment, his wrath. In fact, instead, he washes the miles and miles of dirt right off of us. Our sin makes us filthy, like a kid that's rolled around in a pile of mud for hours. And we can't get that stain off of us ourselves. But Jesus can. He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. We, who are piled with tons of mud, are washed clean. We who have trusted in Christ have been reborn by the Holy Spirit. Our lives are changed forever. We have been justified by God's grace. Now justified here, it means that God has declared we who are guilty, not guilty. It means that God has made us righteous. And this was by God's grace, unearned, undeserved. Jesus took our sin upon himself at the cross and gave to us his righteousness, his goodness, his right standing before God. And all who trust in Jesus become heirs with the hope, the assurance of eternal life. And I just got to say, what kind of God looks at a rebellious, wicked people and says, I'm going to save you? What kind of God sends his son to die to accomplish that? It's incredible. And being saved by God changes how we live the rest of our lives. No longer living against him, but for him. And this transforms us to live in ways that bring honor to him 
were before we brought dishonor. But here's the amazing news. God is for us. If you have trusted in Jesus, God is for you. Satan may stand accusing you and reminding you of every single bad thing you've ever done. Your own mind may do the same. It might tell you you're unlovable because you have messed up so terribly. People may tell you that you're the greatest loser in the universe. And yes, we are undeserving of grace. But God is so kind and so loving to forgive us for all our sins against him through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And those who have trusted in him, nothing, not even our worst sins, can separate us from him. Even our worst sins are forgiven when we turn to Jesus. Romans 8, 31 to 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding, who is indeed interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If God is for us, who can be against us? If the judge of the universe is for us, we need not fear being condemned by him. He did not even spare his son to save us. He will also give us all he promises. No one can condemn us before God because God has made us righteous before him. And Jesus who died and rose for us is advocating for us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And even when we mess up, when we sin, he does not remove his love from us. Now, this isn't permission to go and sin freely, but rather, it's the blessing of being transformed day by day, more and more into the likeness of Jesus. But when we do sin, when we do mess up, as we will every day, we can come to him time and time again, to confess our sins, to turn away from those sins, and to begin anew. Because as our song this morning says, 
nothing you could confess could make me love you less. And that does bring us back to our song. The opening lyrics, why you look so sad, tears are in your eyes, come on and come to me now, don't be ashamed to cry, let me see you through, cause I've seen the dark side too. When the night falls on you, you don't know what to do, nothing you confess could make me love you less. And when I hear these lyrics, I think of someone who has realize the utter depths of their own sinfulness and brokenness. Someone who realizes just how messed up they are, how messed up we all are. And I picture Jesus calling them to come to him, to receive his love and forgiveness, to be transformed from sinner to saint. And I picture the person responding, but you don't know how bad I've been. You don't know how dark and wicked I am. You don't know how many times I've tried to change and failed. Nothing you confess could make me love you less. And in that moment, I picture the person realizing that not even our worst sins can keep him from saving us when we trust in him. That Jesus will save us not because we deserve it, but because God is merciful and kind. And so they turn to him in faith, knowing that he will never, ever desert them. This morning, rest in the kindness and love of our God. Rebecca McLaughlin writes, when we come to Jesus, we find out two things. Number one, we are more sinful than we ever thought. And number two, we are more loved than we ever dreamed. The one truly good person who has ever lived knows everything about you. He can read your thought bubbles and has the right to judge you. But he loves you so much, he was willing to die for you and take that judgment on himself. Let us celebrate this. Let us celebrate the kindness of our God who does not leave us even when we royally mess up. And having been saved by that kindness and love, let us follow his call to live out his ways, to live out his commands. Not so that he will love us more or keep on loving us, but because he already has and we love him and have been changed by him. This week, take time to really think about the kindness and love of our God. And if you have not experienced that kindness and love of God, I would love to talk to you after service or sometime during this week. Let us pray. Lord, how could we ever thank you for your mercy. You who looked upon us and chose to save us out of your kindness, we thank you for the cross of Christ. We thank you that you so loved the world that you gave your only son. We pray that as we trust in you, that you would show us ways we can tell other people what it means to trust in you. 
and to receive this beautiful life that you have given. In Jesus' name, amen.